Time to catch up with UK correspondent Gavin Gray. Good evening, Gavin. Hi there, Jack. A UK charity has predicted the NHS waiting lists could top 8 million within eight months' time. That is extraordinary. Yep, yep. They're getting uh, very concerned. The government has pledged to cut it before for the end of the year, but that's looking rather difficult now. Um, and this charity, a health foundation charity, as it's called, says... Industrial action, which has been the nurses' strike followed by the junior doctor strike and the consultant strikes, uh, the last two, incidentally, are now negotiating with the government again, but are still effectively in industrial dispute. Um, the industrial action has only contributed just a small amount, uh, lengthening the list by about 210,000. They say instead the biggest driver of the waiting lists going up and up is a shortage of staff, and funding to the National Health Service. Now, NHS England says more than one million appointments and procedures have had to be rescheduled because of the NHS strikes. And the government line has has been that it is the industrial action that is causing the spike in uh, demand. But ultimately, Mm. these waiting lists are getting longer. I know of several people who have decided to pay for an operation and go private because they can't wait anymore. Uh, But... uh, Others are saying, well, you know, we need to get through this backlog, but we're already throwing a lot of money at the NHS and we're going to have to increase taxes and make that choice if we want to pay more money into the NHS and that won't be popular during a cost of living crisis. The government or the NHS spokesperson for their part says two-year waits, in other words, waiting two years for an operation, two-year waits have been virtually eliminated and more than uh, uh, waits of more than 65 weeks have been more than halved. They say they're tackling the really long waits. Yeah, it's just, I mean, th- this is a problem that many countries are facing at the moment. I mean, New Zealand certainly has some pretty lengthy waits when it comes to uh, the, the health system here. But but what is your sense, Gray, uh, Gavin? Are people, are people looking at things like health insurance and different options aside from just paying for, for, you know, private care? Yeah, I dare say some are looking at that. Certainly, I think if you're employed by a big company and they're offering private health care, that's really very, very uh, a good incentive. But uh, there are others, Jack, as well. A friend of mine recently retired from work, and when he applied to carry on the private health care insurance after leaving work, the figures were so enormous that I think that's why some people think, you know what, I'll pay for it as a one-off if I need it. Yeah. EU leaders have called for corridors and pauses to get badly needed aid into Gaza. Yep, some five hours of talks at a summit in Brussels, and we finally get a joint statement. It's the EU leaders' summit to the first face-to-face meeting since the 7th of October attacks. Uh, The statement put out condemns the Hamas attacks, and then strongly emphasizes Israel's right to defend itself in line with international law. And, of course, it's, it's this sentiment which has seen so many uh, disputes in the past about what world leaders have been or have been uh, not saying, including, of course, comments from the United Nations as well. Uh, so the quote is, the European Council expresses its gravest concern for the deteriorating humanitarian situation and calls for continued, rapid, safe and unhindered humanitarian access. It's calling for these corridors and pauses. Now, it might not seem like much to you and I, but with 27 different countries being represented, some fundamentally opposing views on the Israel-Palestinian conflict, it is a compromise of a kind. 
whether Israel will note anything is another matter. Yeah, yeah. What What is your sense in the UK? Is public sentiment shifting at all when it comes to the response from Israel to the attacks? Uh, do you know what? I, I, I've been staggered by the amount of people who have been out on the streets for the last couple of weekends yeah. and further this weekend. More than 100,000 in London alone going out to try and support Palestine. Interesting, the slight shift has been saying that they have now condemned that attack in Israel right at the start, whereas at the past that was kind of being almost ignored. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? And Gavin, the Beatles' last song will be released next week. Yes, it's called Now and Then. Uh, It's based on a demo recording by John Lennon in the 1970s. And it's been completed by Sir Paul McCartney and Sir Ringo Starr, the two surviving Beatles. Uh, now, believe it or not, they have been using AI technology to what they call extricate John Lennon's vocals from, would you believe it, an old cassette. So uh, it's also going to feature newly remastered versions of the Beatles' red and blue albums due out on the 10th of November. The song will premiere on uh, uh, Thursday of next week. Um, originally released in 1973, the career-spanning compilations of the Red and Blue albums have been described as the most influential, greatest hits albums in history. But exactly how this song was sound, well, it's going to be very interesting. Now and Then was originally written by John Lennon after the Beatles split up in 1970. It's been circulated as a bootleg, apparently, for many, many years. Um, but uh, after John Lennon was fatally shot outside his apartment in America in 1980, his widow, Yoko Ono, gave the song to Sir Paul. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. Look forward to hearing that. Thank you so much, Gavin. That is our UK correspondent, Gavin Gray. For more from Heather Duplessy Allen Drive, listen live to News Talk ZB from 4 p.m. weekdays or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio.